thank you, Kalia. Hey, a number of years ago, I was here at a meeting at church one night, and I needed a ride home. So I asked this young guy, he was like 22 or 3, I said, because he lived in my neighborhood, I said, would you give me a ride home? And he said, sure. So I hop in the car with him, and uh, it's kind of a dangerous thing to be trapped with me in, you know, in a car like that. And I said, hey, do you have a girlfriend? Okay, it's kind of, you know, and he goes, oh, well, uh, so, uh, you know, and I said, well, do you ever think about, because he said no, and he, I said, do you ever think about, like, you have this panic, like, oh, I'm never going to get married, and I'm just going to live alone, I'm going to be crummy, and, and I've started to, and he goes, how'd you know? And I said, because I'm twice your age, you know, because I just know those things. So I thought of that story today because I want to talk about being single. And the reason I want to talk about this is because Often in churches, as we do this series on relationships, um, we talk about marriage, and next week we'll talk about parenting, but I want to talk about people who are single today because I want you to know that you're highly valued. And sometimes, and maybe it's inadvertently, or whatever the case may be, we've sent the wrong signal to people in the church, and we just need to, to have, I guess you might say, a correction about that or an acknowledge about that as well, okay? So recent census, the United States said that half of the households in America are uh, people who are single. And that's the first time that's happened in the United States. That was just a few years ago. And there are 100 million people in the United States who are single as well. Now then, I did a little math. And if you got married when you're, let's say, 26, and then, and then um, you're married for a long time, maybe your spouse dies, and then you're single again another 10 years, that means about maybe 30 to 40 years of your life you're single. And so I just think it's important to talk about this, talk about singleness as well. Now, I don't know this for sure because I didn't run the numbers in our church and our database, but I'm going to just make a hypothetical guess that 30% of our people who attend Grace here are single. It's a significant portion of our church. So here's one I, I want to tell you right out of the shoot here, just right away. Okay, being single does not mean you're a second-class spiritual citizen. It just doesn't mean that as well. Singleness doesn't mean second class. But along the way, in church settings, sometimes I think we've kind of promoted that or we've kind of said, oh, you're not married. You're like the spiritual fifth wheel. And so we have that kind of dynamic. And I think we need to be aware of that as well. And we just leave people out when it comes to these things. Now, I can tell you how this happens. Because in the book of Genesis, it says, to Adam and Eve, uh, you know, be fruitful and multiply. So, and we should, we should lift marriage up as sacred and important, but we don't want to, at the same time, indicate inadvertently even that people who are single are somehow second class. That's, we, we shouldn't be doing that at all. And as Pastor Josh said last week, it's not a command to get married. It's perfectly fine to be single. And I know this because guess who was single? Jesus. So it must be okay, right? And we have Lazarus single, Mary and Martha were single. I could get a whole bunch of people in the Bible who lived a single life. John the Baptist could go on and on. And there's a really important person in the Bible who was single. And he wrote like a lot of the New Testament. And the guy's name was Paul. He was an apostle. And he's single. Okay? And nobody knows for sure if he was ever married, but we know at the time he wrote the book of 1 Corinthians that he was single. And it's probably true that he was married beforehand, and we don't know why he was single. We just don't know exa exactly why. And so, and so whether you're 
whether you're married or single or whatever stage of life you are in, I think this verse is important for us. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been a called according to his purpose. So you have a calling. Whether you're single or married, you have a purpose today. And just like the Apostle Paul, he had a purpose. He lived that out. He started new churches. All of us have a purpose in life. And so one of the things that I'm a little concerned about, if you're married, you go, oh, this message isn't for me. I'll just check the score of the game. Don't do that. Don't check out on me. I see that. I know if you're checking your fantasy football score, you can tell that, okay? So hang in there with me as well, because if you do that, that's part of the problem. Does that make sense? If you're checking out because you're married, that's part of the difficulty. So here's number one, point number one, if you're taking notes. Singleness can be a calling and a gift. And in fact, we're going to read a passage in a moment, in a few minutes, that Paul uses that kind of language, that singleness is a gift and a calling. And somebody said to me who's single, well, if it's a gift, can, can I turn it in and, and return it, you know, if I had the receipt? You know, because, you know, they were thinking, I, I don't want to be single. So I just want to acknowledge something right now. You might be single from choice. You just choose to be single. That's awesome. I, fantastic. You might be single and you don't want to be because your spouse left you, which is the conversation I had 20 minutes ago in the atrium, okay? And I know that's very painful. And even when we bring that up, I'm going to be really sensitive to where you're at in life, okay? Because maybe... Maybe you had to move in with somebody last week because things are, are hard, okay? So I just want to acknowledge that. So maybe, maybe you're divorced, maybe your spouse died, you know, a lot of different kind of categories here probably as we think about this thing. But I want you to get to be thinking this, that my situation right now can be a gift. And if you have that kind of perspective and attitude, it will change the way that you interact uh, with people and the way that you wake up in the morning and that um, uh, you continue on with the purposes in life, okay? Now then, people who are single, I just want I just, I just to say it this way, that we want to make sure that we help you grow in your relationship with God, that you're being discipled, and that you become a leader in our church. I, I want that so much, okay? Now we're going to read this passage in 1 Corinthians and I want to give a little disclaimer here, okay? First off, first off, as I've said, the church is kind of messed up when it comes to people who are single. We've kind of given this idea inadvertently that singleness is bad, and that's not the message that we need to communicate. Secondly, I'm married and I'm not single, and I've been married for 33 years, coming on 34, and so for me to comment on singleness might be like a billionaire telling you, yeah, it is hard to be in poverty. You know, that'd be weird, right? You have a billionaire up here. Oh, let me tell you what it means to be in poverty. Well, what do you know about that? So I just want to acknowledge that as well, that, um, that that's, where, that's just where I'm, where, I'm, where I'm coming from as well. And, and thirdly, I just want to give this dis disclaimer that some of you, as I said, might be tempted to check out. Don't do that. Do not do that. What we're going to talk about today is super important. If you're married and you're thinking, well, there's not going to be anything for me, I just want to tell you something. I'm going to be really blunt here. If you got kids at home, you got grandkids, and you're pressuring them to get married, stop it. 
Did not expect that. But <laughs> stop doing that. Okay? Stop putting, if you got a 25-year-old son or daughter, and you're like, who are you dating? What's going on? Let me, and, and, you're, and you're stalking them on social media? Stop it. Just stop it. Okay? Stop pressuring them. Because singleness is a gift, and it's a calling. So you have to realize that. So I think it's very important that we read Paul's words, and I wish I had time to read the entire chapter, but I'm going to read two sections of it. And Paul's writing to the Corinthians. They live in a city that's awful. Corinth has a big temple there that they have temple prostitution and Nero's persecuting everybody. In fact, it's like, the, it's like a new sport to persecute Christians. And so that's going on. People are suffering. It's just kind of a hard time. And Paul, who better else to speak to us about singleness than Paul, the apostle. So here's what he says. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7. And it's here on the screen with me. You can read it with me. Paul says, I wish that all of you were as I am. And that means single. Let's get that clear. But each of you has your own gift. So singleness is called a gift. In fact, it's the word for grace, charismata. One has this gift, one has that. Now, to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. That's a shocker, isn't it, in today's culture? It's just very difficult. And then Paul says, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Very interesting passage. So if we read through this entire chapter, you would find out this, that Paul says, hey, it's good to stay in the state you're in. If you're single, stay single. But if you want to get married, get married. It's all good. You're free to do, to choose. You're free to choose. That, that's, that's good. So Paul's giving some advice here as a way, but he calls singleness a gift is what he does. God's word is telling us that if you're single, that it can be a gift and it can be a calling in life. I was talking to the folks who lead our single purpose ministry, our singles ministry, and they would say things like this to me, I hate Valentine's Day. Every time I get a wedding invitation, I wanna throw it against the wall, I wanna burn it up. Right, I said, oh, I just need to learn those things and be, be aware of those things, right? And when it comes to singleness, you should not let anybody look down upon you because you're single. Now, some of you may say, well, how do I know I have this gift? I can answer that for you. If you're single and you woke up today and you're single, you have the gift of singleness. <laughs> and I don't say that flippantly. And all I'm trying to say is that today, today, you have that gift. That's where you're at today. So view it as a gift. View it as something that God can use. Now then, another way to look at this, if you are going to be eternally frustrated by this gift of singleness, then maybe singleness isn't for you for the rest of your life. But for some people it is, and we'll talk more about that as well. But maybe God gave you the gift of singleness today, but it doesn't mean it's permanent as well because you don't know God's plan. In fact, it's my experience that we, I don't even know God's plan for the next year in my life, or five years. I just don't know. In fact, God's plan for my life might even change today. I mean, it could be, things can just happen, right? And so at least for today, if you can have the mindset, this is a gift, and I can learn to be 
uh, uh, content with that. Now, obviously, it means that celibacy is part of that gift as well. As well. So Paul makes it clear, if you can't control yourself, maybe it is better to be married as well. Now then, when it comes to this whole issue of singleness, we need to understand something that it is a gift and only God gives good gifts, James chapter 1, and also that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 that God only gives good gifts. So if we can have this perspective that God has given us something that is good as well. So sometimes we elevate marriage, which we should, but we also should elevate singleness as well. Okay? Okay, I want to answer this question, and then I want to come back to singleness. But the question I thought of today, it, that I just want to spend a little bit of time, what if I want to be married someday? Maybe you're single now, and you want to be married someday, or you're thinking about that. And it might be off of your radar screen. Maybe you're busy doing life, you're serving in ministry, you're running the race of your faith, and you, all of a sudden you look up for running the race, and maybe somebody's running the race that's right next to you, and, and you find out that maybe this is the relationship for you and you weren't even looking for that. That can happen. So let me give you three things that I think could be helpful, and I'm just going to call this pastoral wisdom. That's what preachers call it. So here's the first one. Don't look for the right person. Become the right person. So you can get busy looking for the right person. Where's my phone? I forgot it. Just swipe right, swipe left, swipe, swipe. Oh, definitely swipe out of my life. Swipe, swipe. Right? And so you're just so focused on finding the right person that you're not becoming the right person, that you're not growing in your character. Here's what Romans 12, 2 says. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation, God's goal for you. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. What's God's will for you? Well, you need to be transformed. His good and pleasing and perfect will. Don't conform to this pattern of our culture. In fact, the word pattern there means standard. Don't conform to the standards that you see in our culture. If I could tell you this this way, culture is awful. And it doesn't matter what culture. The Bible is always saying that the culture we live in is not healthy. It's always that way. We should be thinking about the kingdom the culture of the God's kingdom as well. So don't conform to the standards of this world. What's God's, what's the standards of our culture when it comes to beauty? When it comes to beauty, I think models are perfect. That's the standard. So you live your life trying to look like models. Nothing wrong with models. I had a professional model tell me in the first service, hey, I'm a professional model. Nothing wrong with that. But we have this expectation. Or we could talk about status and power. We have standards about that. Hey, I'm looking for somebody with those things. Right? Let me put it this to you this way. Stop paying attention to the standards of this world. Pay attention to your own relationship with Christ and your own character development. That's what we should be focused in on. Because the standards of this world are unrealistic beyond belief. This is, this is unbelievable, those kinds of expectations, whether it's athletics or intelligence or money, status, all of those kinds of things. So if we're single, we need to be thinking this. I don't want to look for the right person. I encourage you to become the right person. It'll change everything about your pursuit of relationships. Here's the second thing. The past 
is a better indicator than a promise. What does that mean, Pastor Steve? Okay, it means this. It means this. Somebody might promise you that they'll be committed to forever, or they might make promises to you, but I want to tell you something, that the indicator of the fulfillment of the promise is not the words that they use. The indicator of a promise is their past follow-through. Make sense? Make sense? Because anybody can promise anything. They can just say things. Those will be words. Proverbs 14, 15 says this, the simple believe anything. And the word there is naive. Don't be naive. They believe anything. But the prudent, that would be the word for wise, give thought to their steps. Right, right? And there's this link between preparation and commitment. You want to be committed for a relationship, you've got to be prepared for a relationship. So the proof is in the follow-through with people. And how do you know someone will follow through on their promises? Well, you look at their past decision-making and if they followed through. Are there exceptions to that? Well, of course there are exceptions to that. There are exceptions. But you should not make a significant decision about a relationship based upon thinking, I'll be the exception. You won't be the exception. You will not be. Let me give you a couple examples. So uh, here's an example. Somebody goes, well, I'll just put all that on my credit card and I'll pay it off. Nobody ever does. Well, I'll be the exception. No, you won't. You will not be. Or how about this? You know, Pastor Steve, I know I shouldn't marry somebody who's not a Christian, be kind of a spiritual mismatch, but she's been coming to church with me or he's been coming to church with me, and you know what? I think they'll make a change. No, they won't. No, they won't. They're only coming to church because they want, because they want this relationship. It's not about God. You're being manipulated. Oh, no, 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 no. I'll be the exception. No, you won't. You will never, ever, ever be the exception. Get that into your mind. And here's why. Because you think you'll be the exception and it won't work out. And you will regret that. You'll regret that. Everyone thinks I'll be the exception. But I'm telling you, you will not be. You, you just will not, you will not be. That's why in Proverbs, he says, you know, uh, don't believe what everybody tells you. Don't be that simple-minded person. So a couple ways I've seen this work out. Oh, Pastor Steve, um, you know, they've quit drinking for two weeks. I'm sure they're, it's fine now. I'm going, no, it's not. We need a little bit longer track record than two weeks. Or, oh, she's broken it off with her ex-boyfriend, I can, I can tell, and she hadn't texted him for two weeks. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So when we talk about these things, we need to realize that the promise that somebody might make is not what you are understanding. So let me say this loud and clear. I believe people can change. I do not believe people will change because you want them to change. Do you understand the difference? You think that potential person will change because of you? They will not. It takes a relationship with Jesus Christ to have that kind of lasting, lasting change in your life. Spiritual impact only comes from Jesus Christ. Here's the last thing. Just if you're thinking about maybe this in the future, choose to be morally pure. This is, nobody, nobody likes this. 
but I'm going to say it anyway. So we're going to read this passage. Here we go. 1 Thessalonians 4. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. That means set apart, by the way, holy. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you before and we warned you now. Okay, this whole passage is about sex outside of marriage. That's what this is all about. And that word immorality, that's what it means. I could give you dozens of examples of that. But that's what it means. That's what it means. So one of the issues that sometimes that we face is that I run across people who are married who act like they're single. And I run across single people who want to act like they're married. And I want to tell you something, that the person who is married and acts like they're single, that's being selfish. It's all about themselves. That, that's what's happening. And the person who is single who wants to act like they're married and goes from sexual relationship to sexual relationship to this relationship, this relationship, at the end of that trail, it's filled with pain and agony. It just is. It's just difficult. It's difficult to hear, I know. But I want you to know that the grace of God gives healing. There's always forgiveness and grace. We have a compassionate God, a merciful God. But if you're single, choose to think of it as a gift and a calling. Choose to live a morally pure life. I was at, this is an old story. It's so old, it's new. Man was taking a tour of a hospital with the hospital administrator. They get up to the fourth floor, which is a secure area, and they have to unlock it to go inside. And they go inside, and they come across to a hospital room, and they have a man, and he's grabbing uh, the side of his desk, and he's pounding his head on the desk. I did in the first service, but it hurt my head, so just, you know. And he's pounding, he goes, Linda! Linda! He's just chanting it over, Linda! I guess the hospital, what's wrong over here? What's going on? He goes, he was engaged to Linda. He was at the altar. She ran, she ran off before the ceremony was over. He's never recovered. Oh, wow. It's traumatic. So they walk down the hallway a little bit further, and then they come to another room, and there's another man inside. He's banging his head on the desk, and he's yelling, Linda! 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 What's, what's up with his story? Did Linda leave him too? Oh, no. He's the one that actually married Linda. And you know the reason I tell you this story is because sometimes we think we'll be content with relationships and we're basing our contentment on something we should not be. Number three, learn to be, learn contentment by focusing on Christ. When I base my contentment in life, not on my circumstances, but on my relationship with Jesus, then I will be fulfilled. Once I begin to base my joy, my happiness, my contentment on my circumstances, I will be disappointed. Because my circumstances are ever-changing. Here's what Paul says, Philippians 4, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty 
I have learned the secret, look at this, learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And so what I think Paul is saying here is that if I base my contentment on my circumstances, I will not experience joy. If I compare my situation, compare my situation with somebody else, I will not experience joy or contentment. Comparison kills joy. And when I look at people on Instagram or their social media posts, and I go, oh, I wish I had that it actually diminishes my joy and my satisfaction. If I can base my contentment and my joy on Jesus and my relationship with him, then I can experience joy. I can choose joy. I can choose happiness. I can make that decision. That applies to us in, in when we're, I think, in this single situation because you might have, have a situation in which, in fact, I got asked this. Here's what I got asked. Get right with it. Hey, I heard the statement, can Christ be my husband? Can Christ be my spouse? And I want to answer that thought. Because here, here's what we need to understand, that Jesus Christ, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, can satisfy me. That can satisfy me. And sometimes we look at that and we think, I don't know how that can be possible. Well, Paul experienced it. Lots of people have experienced it. If I can make sure that my contentment, my happiness is not based upon the relationships I have, but based upon my relationship with God, then it's not dependent upon other things, and that can bring me fulfillment. So I'm not searching for fulfillment. I am what? I, I am relating to God to have my fulfillment as well. So we don't fake contentment. We don't say, well, I'm happy when I'm not. I don't think that's very healthy. I just admit it. I'm not doing okay. Tell God that. I'm not happy. It's okay. But I can find contentment in my singleness, is what I want to say. It's not based upon other things. It's not pretending that I have enough money or pretending that I'm happy or pretending uh, uh, all those things. And contentment doesn't mean I shouldn't have goals or anything like that. You should have goals and you should be pressing forward. The contentment comes from my relationship with Jesus Christ. It's what determines it. There's number four. Focus on the singles are impacting God's kingdom. And if you're single, you can have more of an impact than you realize. You really can. Many of our spiritual heroes in Christian history were single. Mother Teresa, never married in Calcutta, ministering to people who are orphans and, and people with leprosy as well. Uh, we have Corey Timboom with the, uh, if you read the book, The Hiding Place, that, you know, her being involved with uh, freeing Jews in Nazi Germany as well. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German theologian who was murdered in 1945, hung to death in a prison concentration camp at Dalka. And you know what? He was single. He made a tremendous impact. I've read every single book he has written. I think of C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, spent most of his life single as well. Eric Little, the person who uh, uh, the movie Chariots of Fire is after. Sitting on my desk right now, I have a book a biography of a woman named Henrietta Mears. I can't wait to read it. 
She has been called the mother of evangelicalism because she had a deep impact on Billy Graham, a deep impact on Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade. She had a deep impact on how we study the Bible even today. We call it Bible study methods. And she has a great deal to do with those things as well. If you're single, you can have a great impact upon the kingdom of God. Here's what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 7, 32. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. And now he's going to switch and say the, basically the same thing for women. An unmarried woman or a virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. So what he's saying here is that when you're married, you have a lot of other responsibilities. That's what he's saying. And he's saying if you're single, you may not have as many responsibilities. You can make an incredible impact upon the kingdom of God. I used to tell young single people sometimes, say, why don't you go off and be a missionary for several years? You're at that great stage of life. Just go. Just go. Go to seminary. Go on a two-year mission trip. Go for five years to Nepal. Go somewhere else. I have a, he's an acquaintance. He was never a friend, but he's responsible for the new King James Version of the Bible that you have. You will not find his name anywhere in the writings of it. He did all the Greek manuscript work for it. He chose to be single his entire life. He moved into the, one of the poorest neighborhoods in Dallas, Texas to be a minister in the Hispanic neighborhood. He said, I don't have time to be married. I got all my scholar work over here to do, and then I got all these hundreds of people over here. because he I don't have time for anything else. This is what I'm called to do. I don't know about you, but I admire people like that. The youth pastor at our church, Grace Community Fellowship, is single. That's awesome. There's more time to spend with kids and all those kinds of things. Nothing wrong with being single as well. So if you're single today, it's a gift and a calling. You can make great impact in ministry. I want you to step up and be a leader. I want you to serve in ministry. I want you to use your gifts and your callings. If you're married today, here's what I want you to hear from me, okay? Don't ever think of people who are single as second class. Don't do that. In fact, maybe you should be babysitting people who are for single mothers, okay? Instead. And I'm telling you this because I've heard it from our singles group. Hey, uh, if you're married, invite people to sit with you in the service who look like they're single or, by them, or just by themselves. Invite them. Hey, you want to come sit with us? My name is Steve, and do that. Invite them over at Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's what, that's what you can do. If you're single, serve God. Be the person God wants you to be. Don't hesitate. Serve him wholeheartedly. Don't hold back. Out in our atrium, our, we have several ministries out in the, in the atrium today, but one is single purpose to our singles ministry. We have young adult ministry, college-age ministries out there as well. You can get information about our single mother's ministry, okay? But here's what I want to hear from you is that, hear from me, is that as your pastor, 
I want you to know that you're loved and you're valued. I just want that to come through. In fact, if you thought I blew it today, I'm talking about this, come and see me. I, I'd love to hear from you, okay? And somebody already did in the atrium, all right? And it's all good. It's all good. I want to hear those things. But you need to know something, that you can serve the king of kings and make a difference in the kingdom right here, and we invite you to do so. I'm going to pray right now, and we're just going to thank God for the ministries at Grace Community Fellowship. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the grace and mercy that you have given to us. God, we thank you for Grace Community Fellowship. It's just our prayer, Lord, that, that we can honor everyone, whether they're married or single. And Father, it's just our prayer that we can serve together in this community of faith in a way that makes a big impact in our community. If you're single today, maybe your prayer is simply, Lord, I want to make a big impact for you. Help me to know how to do that. And I encourage you to take those steps. If you're not single, maybe you should be in prayer about having better responses to people who are single and just being more encouraging. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the grace that you have given us and the hope we have in your son, Jesus Christ. May our contentment be in him and not in our circumstances. And we pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.